0: Listening to the Stormcast, a podcast from the Omaha Storm Chasers. Cut out and this strike three, and that's it.
1: Off the ball pole, a home run.
2: The Omaha Storm Chasers are Pacific Coast
0: League champions. Here are your hosts, Jake Eisenberg and Tony Moon. Everyone,
2: get
1: on
0: your feet. Stir
1: up the storm. We're family.
0: Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Stormcast. I'm Jake Eisenberg, he's Tony Boone, and you all just heard a brand new theme for the Stormcast. We've debuted a new jingle this past week with the Omaha Chasers, and we've worked that jingle into our Stormcast theme. And I, I don't know, Tony, I think it sounds pretty good. Well, I'll tell you what,
2: um, I had kind of grown tired of the old jingle, but I had become... A bigger fan of it as it had become the open to the podcast it kind of gave me a new wrinkle on an old tune now we're switching things up um as you mentioned it became public last week it's great that they get a little uh, taste of it here in the intro and i'm sure we're probably about to give them a little bit more of it
0: yeah new jingle new theme but you know we might as well play the actual jingle for everybody that they're going to hear at Werner park throughout this season so without further ado here's the new storm chasers jingle heart, come on out to murder Park. We're gonna make some memories for the Chasers family.
2: Let's get together now. We all remember how to cheer. The boys stand up and shout. That's what it's all about.
0: So that's it. That's the new Storm Chasers jingle. That's what you're going to hear around Warner Park and throughout Storm Chasers media. It's the result of the jingle contest that started back in November. Jared Gallagher, the winner of the jingle contest, did a terrific job, and, and we're excited to now use that in our Stormcast theme and, and throughout Warner Park. Now let's turn our attention to this podcast episode, and Tony, I know you agree with me, we've got a great guest, Nick Deeney, live from Spring Training, recorded, but live from Spring Training, and it was really great to talk to a ball player who is currently in the midst of a baseball season. We haven't really had the chance to do that.
2: No, I can only think of one time, and we had to go all the way to Korea for that. (laughs) Well, we didn't actually go to Korea, but the podcast took you to Korea when we talked to Aaron Brooks last year. But this podcast started right after they shut down things in spring training last year when we had Nicky Lopez on. Um, That was the first guest that we had in the podcast, and it was also – the first time we entered the non baseball season. And since then, other than Brooks, we haven't had a chance to talk to anybody while actual baseball was being played. So Nick Dini becomes our first guest during a uh, Omaha slash Royals uh, season. It is great to, to be able to talk to Nick from spring training. Um, he's a guy that made an impact immediately here in Omaha. You could tell by the way that he approached things at the plate that he was going to be a guy that could hit this level and could eventually made an impact in Kansas City. And uh, due to an injury, he got his chance in 2019. And, you know, I'm sure that uh, he's going to be a guy that everyone's going to be having their eyes on again this year. If not here in Omaha, then certainly down in Kansas City.
0: Yeah, we've spoken to players. We've spoken to Nicky Lopez, Daniel Tillo, Aaron Brooks was in season in the KBO, like you mentioned. We spoke to Nick Heath and Jay Kalish. But all those guys outside of Brooks were in off-season mode. Nick is in season mode, and it was really cool to talk to him about what's been going on at spring training working with all the young pitchers that are there Um, but we also talked to him about his experiences at the alternate training site from last year and working with brian polberg there the the storm chasers manager and a fellow catcher like nick and we spoke to him about making his major league debut in 2019 hitting his first big league home run all the places he's been in minor league baseball and a ton more Uh, it was a great conversation with nick and so without further ado here's our conversation with nick deeney on the stormcast Glad to be joined on the Stormcast by Nick Dini, who played for Omaha in 2018 and 2019, made his Major League debut with the Kansas City Royals in 2019 as well, and is currently down in Arizona at spring training. So enjoying some sunshine down there. And I guess first and foremost, Nick, what's it like to finally be back on a baseball field back at spring training and, and enjoying some some warmer weather. Oh,
1: uh, it's been it's been awesome, especially now that games are ramping up. You know, I spent the majority of the twenty twenty season playing against, you know, our own guys at an alternate site and not really seeing another color jersey across the field. So I mean now that games are picking up it's kind of feeling more normal and more everyday life you know what i mean it's it's been good and hopefully everybody continues to stay healthy do the right thing and we can you know get this 2021 season rolling
0: it's interesting that you mentioned the the different color jersey thing because i think a lot of people will look at the alternate training site stuff from last year and the inner squad games that you guys been doing at spring training and say well you know it's all still Competition, like even though it's not against a team, you're still facing live pitching. Um, But how does the mindset change when you know it's not your teammates that you're facing? It's it's somebody else.
1: You get a little extra excited, you know. Especially now, you're seeing a little bit of fans in the stands, some noise. You know what I mean? The alternate site, you kind of have to create your own energy. I think that comes internally, just getting yourself ready for, you know, just the every day of kind of the monotony of what the alternate site was. And now I I, I do think the alternate site had great benefit to a lot of a lot of players, especially our younger players. I I think now just getting back to what you know we know and uh, playing against other teams and competing and doing what we love to do it's just it's, it's starting to feel normal again and it's uh it's very exciting to
2: have it back Nick can you kind of share your experience from 2020 with us like from the time yeah. things got shut down to spring training to arriving at the alternate site and mm-hmm. everything you guys went through with COVID protocols some breakouts on yeah. the team and then uh, you yeah. know going through that alternative site experience I, the world was just in shock when everything got shut down and I,
1: I mean for as long as I live I'll always remember the I I remember watching the NBA shut down. And then when I saw that, I I knew it was probably not looking good for, you know, for Major League Baseball. And the next day they had told us to go home. And, you know, just that kind of waiting game after they told us to go home, you know, kind of you hear all these reports and, you know, in the media. And you're just kind of trying to plan your, your time home to, you know, stay ready and stay locked in for whenever You know the season they start up again and then it just felt like it kept getting delayed 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 until finally you know we show up in july and you know i was you know privileged to be a part of the the 60-man player pool that went to kansas city you know when we got to kansas city there was some positive tests and there was a little you know outbreak throughout the team and you know unfortunately for me uh, right before the season started a bunch of our catchers had caught uh, had gotten COVID but um, right before the season I had contracted it so I was out for about 18 days I had just had to sit in a studio apartment in Kansas City which was brutal but then getting back out on the field and just trying to get ready and you know you snap your fingers and you're on you're, you're driving home because the season's over and you know it's just it, it's nice to kind of get back to that routine and of, you know, preparing for 162 or 140, whatever it may be, but just excited to have that normalcy back.
0: Yeah. and I mean, I guess that's got to be a scary thing this summer, kind of going through that and having to quarantine, but you're back at a hundred percent and feeling good now. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Awesome. No, I feel great. I'm ready to go. Yeah. So I, I, I had very mild symptoms when I got it. So I was fortunate in that aspect that, you know, I did not really, you know, get it to where it, it you know, beat me up. So
0: good. That's good. I just that's lost good to hear.
1: some smell and taste. That's that's <laughs> so good that to hear. About it.
0: That's good to hear. Uh, glad you're doing mm-hmm. okay. Then when when you walked back into the facility in Arizona for the first time, you know, to start off this version of spring training. I mean, it's now been almost a year since spring training 2020 got shut down, and that anniversary is 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 kind of wild to think about how it's already been a year. Is that something that you guys have yeah. talked about in in the clubhouse or, or kind of commemorated in some way?
1: Um, not really. Like I said, you just can sense a, like an air of excitement throughout the clubhouse from everybody, just to be able to go out and you know have that normalcy. Spring training, like I think, with everything last year and how the protocols were, like they're they're still strict this year. You know, there's still things that we can't do, but I think. You know, it's loosened in some aspects, so it's kind of getting, like I said, just back to normal. And I think if anything, everybody is just super excited. But as far as talking about the 2020 shutdown, I think everybody just wants to try to move past that because that was some tough times for some people.
2: We talked to uh, Brian Holberg in the fall a little bit about what you guys did at the alternate side, Nick. And uh, Mm -hmm. I'm guessing it it was probably different for a guy like you than, than some of the younger guys that that you were mentioning a little bit ago. You know, those guys are getting Mm -hmm. a chance to play against you guys who have been in the system a little bit longer and a chance to really prove themselves. But for a guy like you, who's kind of established where you're at, you know, Mm -hmm. you're now a uh, positive test or an injury away from being shifted you know from kansas city kansas over to kansas city missouri you know yeah. to, to be on the big, big league roster how did you kind of approach that to not have the game-like situations uh, other than you know the inner squad setting but yet being ready to go knowing that anything could happen that could shift you to that other roster at any point well that's exactly it that's that's what i i, I mentioned earlier just
1: about how you kind of just have to find that energy within and that's really my whole mindset was that just, I, I I just wanted to be prepared that if that call came, I was ready. So, you know, if I had approached those, you know, five inning inter-squad games as if, uh, you know what I mean, another day of, you know, seeing the same guys and, you know, just taking a bad attitude into it, then that's when, you know, you get caught flat-footed and then that call comes and you feel like you're not ready. But You know what I mean? If you just approach it every day with a good mindset and just wanting to get better, then when that call comes, you feel good about where you're at and you just know under the circumstances you've done, you know, everything you can to prepare yourself for that, for that stage. So that's kind of just the mindset I took into it. And that's, you know, I, I I knew that was, you know, why I was there and I, I knew that was my job to just, you know, be ready if needed.
0: And and you also kind of have a unique role at the alternate training site and, of course, in spring training as a catcher where you're working with a bunch of different pitchers, some of whom you're familiar with, some of whom you've never caught before, (coughs) uh, some of whom, I guess, you know, you got to meet and work with for the first time at the alternate training site where normally you might not get to know those guys until a little bit later down the road. So how has that experience helped you kind of seamlessly transition now into spring training?
1: It was nice because I got to see, you know, the up and coming guys that, you know, are getting a lot of attention uh, in our system. You know, the Daniel Lynch's of the world, the Jackson Cowars, you know, Austin Cox, John, he, I mean, there's a ton of good young arms that, you know, we have in our system and there's a lot to be excited about if you're a Royals fan and, you know, just being able to see those guys and catch those guys, get to know them, you know, because I had, you know, enough experience with a lot of the guys on the major league roster had, coming up with them or playing with them in 2019, you know, so to see those, those younger arms and be able to, you know, get to know them, it was, it was a good experience. And, um, there's, like I said, there's a lot to be excited about with those guys because there's a lot of talent in that, in that room.
0: Of, of those guys, who's the nastiest? Who do you love to catch the most? Who do you not want to face? Oh,
1: um, I, I mean, I, I think, at, Oh, that's tough. You know, I know. I I'm putting you. I'm putting bring, you on the spot, Nick. They, yeah, they. I think they all bring you know something. Like I think the best pitch is. Pro, I mean, Jackson Colart's change up is, is nasty. I think Lint, like Lynch's power. I mean, he's ninety. I've seen him up to ninety eight from the left side, and he's a. I mean, that kid competes. I mean, he believes he can get anybody out at any time. You know, he's he's fun to catch just because he's got um you know kind of that bulldog mentality like i'll go at anybody anytime you know he's kind of got that that singer edge to him you know what i mean i i didn't i haven't caught much of singer but you can just watch singer's uh demeanor on the mound and know like guy oozes in confidence and and you need that at that level you know what i mean you have to believe that you know you belong and that you you're gonna get outs no matter what and i think lynch is is that type of guy and i think he's gonna be a you know a big leaguer for
2: a long time the guys you're talking about nick were guys who some of whom we even saw here in omaha when they were playing in college because uh, they got to the college world series i guess i'm thinking uh, singer singer and Coar in particular mm-hmm. um but what the royals have done here lately more so with pitching now but but even before with position players that they've been drafting established college players guys who are stars yeah. for their team and you would fit yeah. right into that role uh I guess is there something to be said about the success that all of you are seeing and you know, coming from that kind of background where, you know, you were able to prove yourself at the college level and then have transitioned that uh, into the pro game because, you know, as I mentioned, you know, guys like yourself or even uh you know, Hunter Osher, um, you guys are all like the guy for your college teams or one of the guys. And there's something to be said about being able to, to transition from you know success in college and and being able to you know be successful at the pro level
1: yeah you know i i i I think about that you know time to time and i i give the the high school guys a ton of credit because i i think of myself at 18 years old and i know like i at that point like i i I could not have survived in professional baseball like i needed college baseball to kind of mold me and you know it, it kind of gave me a a sense of what a work ethic should be you know between juggling school baseball you know workouts at six in the morning and you know i think when you go to college and you have because uh, most of the high school guys they're the best player on the field their whole life and then they jump into pro ball and it's you know what i mean it's it's a big jump as, and, and and it's a jump from college as well but in college you kind of you know, you deal with some struggles because you go from high school where you're the, you're you're the best player on your team and probably in your area, and then you go to college and it's like now you're competing against you know fully grown 21, 22, 23 year olds, and you know you're not the best player. So you you learn kind of a work ethic and what you have to do to get better. So I, I think just the college grind helps you kind of prepare for. What a minor league season would be, or a major league season would be, but and then, then you get the Pro Bowl and you realize, like this is a world different, you know what I mean? So just, I, I think it's like a bridge between between the two, whereas, like, coming from high school, it's just, it's got, I couldn't imagine, you know, going from Monroe Township High School into a, into a professional system. It's It's got to be a shell shock to a lot of people.
0: Yeah, and going from Monroe Township High School or, you know, after, you know, yeah. being at Wagner and then going straight to Idaho Falls. What was that like going from yeah. the East Coast to, to Idaho?
1: Yeah, it was funny because when I got drafted by the Royals, you know, I had a, a little draft party at my house for a lot of f- uh, friends and family, and they were looking it up, and they were telling me the teams, and they said Idaho Falls, and I'm like, and I hope I don't go there. I don't even know what I'm going. <laughs> <where I'm> <laughs> and, and, you know, sure, sure as heck, I end up in, in Idaho Falls. And I'll tell you what, I really I, I enjoyed my time in Idaho Falls. I enjoyed my time in that league and I said it to a lot of people, like I've been very fortunate because I've been able to see so many different parts of the country that if baseball hadn't taken me there, that I would have never seen, you know, I've, I've, Montana is a beautiful state that I would have never went to. I, you know, uh, you got Grand Junction. We went to, in uh, in that league, Ogden, Ogden, Utah and, um, and Orem, Utah, like those are beautiful places. So I, I really enjoyed my time in that league, and it, I mean, it helped that it was a hitters league. You know, so just being able to see those parts of the country, you know, I, I I can almost for a fact say that I don't think any anything other anything else in my life would have taken me to to Billings, Montana.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure Billings, Montana, and Ogden, Utah, and Orem are all are all much better places when the ball's flying out of the yard, as opposed to whether oh, if, yeah. it, if it was a pitcher's park, you might not think so fondly of them. And, and
1: that, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And you know what's funny about that too? It's like you talk to so many players, and you ask them where their favorite places to play are, and it it, it is solely based on your success.
0: <laughs> of your course, successes. yeah, of
1: course. It's it's, it's incredible. You could go to the best you can go to the best city in america if you don't play well there i don't want to go back there
0: right so i mean so in the royal system you know you go up from idaho falls you go through wilmington northwest arkansas up to omaha are there other places that you've been able to been that you don't think you ever would have been to that you look back on you're like man that that place was great not necessarily you know on the baseball field which i know you obviously think about but also just just places in general
1: i I really enjoyed my time in lexington and and in that league you had you know columbia south carolina was
0: yeah the new uh, the I new affiliate that
1: place too. yeah i said to a lot of those guys i'm like you guys are lucky enough to like everything about that that place that facility the town everything Like, that's that's an awesome place to be i didn't i really didn't spend much time in wilmington i was i probably, i think i had like twenty head bats in high a i had um juggled back and forth in 20 what was that 2016 i juggled back and forth between low a and high a and ended up having an injury that year that kind of sidelined me for a while and then 2017 i was in low a and double a so i didn't really spend much time in in the the carolina league and high a but even northwest like northwest is a great place i love i love northwest and the facilities there are top notch i I think those—that's probably the best facility that we have, you know, in our system currently. And in, I mean, in that league, you have, you know, Springfield is—that's an awesome city that I wouldn't have went to. Um, Frisco, I mean, t- tons of beautiful ballparks and good uh, and good places. So I mean, it, it's really tough to fingerpoint one in particular. But um, you know, and I'll actually I'll give you one that you wouldn't i would have never guessed and when i tell people it's a great city they're like really is des moines iowa i love going to des moines love des moines and if i had told somebody from back home or you know in in the northeast area like oh you got to check out des moines iowa they'd be like no i'm good thank you
0: yeah that's that's (laughs) that northeast (laughs) biased and i'll admit you know being from that area too when i was growing up if someone told me you know des moines i would have thought i thought that that was some like magical faraway place that that didn't really exist but now that i'm here Mm -hmm. in omaha and i've spoken to people around here and tony's tony's from iowa i mean i haven't been to des moines yet but i'm really looking forward to it i've heard amazing Uh, things about it the ballpark the food i've heard great things about des moines everything
1: everything the surrounding area all the food around there and yeah, like you said, the ballpark. I, I I really I love going to Des Moines. I'm I'm excited we get to play the Cubs. I think 64 times. A year
0: so. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's what a it, lot of a lot of trips between Omaha and Des Moines this year.
2: Yeah, the funny thing is, you're not that far off of 64. It is <laughs> it, it is right around there. That was part of our right? last podcast that we did about the craziness of this year's schedule. Yeah. So yeah. so since your uh, your thoughts on a place uh, kind of. Come from your success there. I'm gonna guess that you really probably don't mind hitting here too, because you, you've pretty much raked the entire time that you've been here, starting back when you're here for a little bit in '18, mm-hmm. and uh, you and I would have talked. I guess this would have been in '19 in my former role when I was at the newspaper about the mm-hmm. way things were going. This would have been right before you you got the call up and things like that, and about uh, yeah. kind of bouncing back from the end of your your struggles at the end of 2018 to your, your quick start in 19 and things like that. How, how yeah. have you said your experience at this level has been and how did what you did here in Omaha kind of lead to you getting that chance to, to play for the Royals finally in 2019? Yeah. I mean, as
1: far as hitting at Werner Park, I, I love hitting at Werner Park. I think a lot of hitters would agree. And I think if you ask the pitchers, I don't think a lot of them enjoy pitching at Werner Park, but we had talked Tony about in 2018, how, you know, I felt like I had, a good enough year in double a in 2017 to where i felt like i belonged in triple a in 2018 Mm -hmm. and getting off to the good start in in triple a and then having to go back to back to northwest and you know whatever role that played in my struggles i i really don't know i kind of you know try to forget about the end of 2018 but you know i i think also like that the end of 2018 really opened my eyes on some on some changes I needed to make. And you know, that's the beauty of this game is that and I tell a lot of people, whether it's teammates I have or younger kids back home that I'm that I work out with and, you know, like you you'll never have this game figured out. It's always it's always an adjustment needed to be made. And, you know, I I had that in twenty eighteen where I felt like I needed to change something going into twenty nineteen. I made some adjustments and I was, you know, happy with the results and then I went to the big leagues and you know, had my struggles there, and I, oh, it, that opened my eyes on some things that I needed to change as well, and, you know, it, it, and it got me to this point to where I feel like, you know, those adjustments, I'm kind of starting to see them show up a little bit, and, you know, it, it gets me excited about, you know, me, another opportunity, hopefully, and um, just looking forward to playing, you know, and and, and proving, improving myself and continuing to you know, develop and get better because, you know, I'm a, I'm an older guy, but I still, I, I do still believe that, you know, I'm developing and, and, you know, improving in areas that I need to improve and, you know, just trying to, trying to show that, you know what I mean?
2: Just to remind fans uh, of Nick and I talking back uh, for that story I did back in 2019. And again, this is just before uh, you get the call up uh, to go to Kansas city. And, and one of the things you said resonated with me so much that I went back and found the quote because I, I wanted to make sure that I got it right because I think, a, this is exactly who you were at that, this point. And, and two, it, it kind of reminds people of how things in the systems of in the minor leagues aren't the same for everybody. When you're mm-hmm. a high draft pick and given a big bonus, you're going to get every chance to make things work and plenty of opportunities to prove yourself wrong. Where is if you're a guy like you, that's had to, to work your way up the system by proving yourself, improving yourself, improving yourself. Um, it, it's a little bit different but what you said to me then was I know what kind of guy I am if I want to get to the big leagues I've got to knock the door down that's what I've yep. got to do nothing is going to be given to me and you said that nothing has ever been given to you in your career and you said I've just got to keep putting together good at bats and showing I can play at that level and, and I'll be damned if you weren't there um, maybe it was a month later that you, that you said. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely yep and that's you know that's that's the truth of it. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change for anything because, you know, I, I look at myself and I look at those, you know, I look at early round picks and, you know, with, with being an early round pick like that, you know, I, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pressure to perform, you know what I mean? And, and a lot of it could be self, self-inflicted. A lot of it could come from whoever, you know, but you know, there's, there's some pressure with being a, a high round pick like that, where a lot's invested in you and a lot's expected of you to where. A guy like me, you just kind of float under the radar you show up every year and you just continue to, you know, do your job and, and, and you know, and then you hang around long enough and then you get your opportunities. So I kind of take that approach to, you know, just every day show up and, you know, put the work in, be a good person, be a good teammate and work hard. And, you know, that stuff doesn't go unnoticed because you get to a certain point in your career where production does matter regardless of, you know, where you were drafted or you know how much you know your signing bonus was for, whatever it may be. You know, a lot of times you get to a to a point where productions production tr- trumps all of that. So, um, you know, I'm I'm at that point and I understand that. So, you know, I just I got to keep doing what I'm doing and you know trying to, you know, just keep proving myself. And that's the that's the mindset I take every day. Is that it's you know it's 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 a real blessing to be able to still put on a jersey and especially after after you know 2020 where it, it kind of got taken away from you a little bit. And then you see a lot of, you know, I, I work out at home with, you know, a kid that had just got drafted last year. And, you know, he's like, that. that's, that's, that's stuff that is a real struggle. You know what I mean? You get drafted, you play a year a short season, thinking your career's, you know, only up from there. And now he has, you know, you, you don't play a game and or be on a field or put on a Jersey for, you know over a year and a half like that's a tough situation so I, just being fortunate for where i'm at and just continuing to get better that's really just the mindset i have you know what i mean
2: yeah i think you're right about people noticing it because i remember a pulley saying back then about you that uh, you'd almost have to shoot you to keep you out of the lineup that no matter what <laughs> if your name was penciled in, you were going to find a it yeah. no matter how you felt
1: yeah no and that's that's another thing too you know i I, I joke around with a lot of guys when, you know, I see them in the training room, I, you know, best ability is availability. You got to be available. You got to, you know, be ready to play. So, I mean, that's but that's just, you know, like that goes back to what we talked about, Tony. It's just understanding that, like, I you know, if I have a couple little nicks and, you know, bumps and bruises along the way like that. I'm in no position for that to keep me out of a lineup. You know what I mean? Like I, mm-hmm. if I get an opportunity to see my name in the lineup, like I'm playing. You know what I mean? Like that's every every time you're in a lineup. Every time you you know you're in the batter's box or behind the plate, like that's an opportunity to prove yourself to show your ability. So that's that's the approach I take. Is just bulldog through everything and you gotta do it. You gotta you gotta play.
0: So so Nick, when you got called up at the tail end of 2019 was it Poli that gave you that news did he did he do it in some creative way or did he kind of just come out and tell you
1: you know me and Poli have a very unique relationship you know he he talks a lot of a lot of smack to me because (laughs) because of because of my height and i guess just all this stuff so i mean just for language purposes, I won't say exactly what he said, but he kind of... Yeah, this is a
0: family show, Nick.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So the the PG version is he just said, you know, uh, come in the office, and then he told me I was, you know, out of the lineup today, and then I bet Tony could guess that I was a little upset about that, but then he told me, you're meeting the team in Detroit. So I was like, okay, well, that's a good enough reason to take me <laughs> out of
0: the lineup. <laughs> what was that trip to Detroit like? I mean, going physically from Omaha to Detroit when you're anticipating yeah. being in that big league clubhouse.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I didn't sleep a wink the night before. Um, I had, you know, my, I had family, I had friends coming from New Jersey and they couldn't get a flight so they were driving so they drove, that night to be able to get there for that, that next day. And I, I mean, I didn't sleep a wink. I was on the phone with them, uh, you know, once every hour, just, you know, talking to them, trying to keep my mind off of everything and then waking up the next day. And I kind of had a feeling that I was going to play that night. I mean, we had, we were facing a lefty. They had just like, they had got into Detroit at like four in the morning cause they had played a, you know, rain delayed game in Boston. And, um, I, I I was I thought I was going to play, but I wasn't sure if I was going to play. And then, you know, I showed up to the field. I still don't know if I'm going to play. And then I finally see my name in the lineup. And it was like, you know, all the nerves and, you know, excitement were there. And then it, it was I, – I, I'll always remember how – all those feelings I had and then how fast they went away when I walked out onto the field and looked around the field. And then it was just pure excitement. I was just so I, – I, I was just – overjoyed to uh, you know like this is it you know you you're in the big leagues dude like this is awesome and then i i had a sense of of a big sense of calm come over me when i walked out on the field and it was you know there there really weren't much nerves when the game started but beforehand it was you know it was a lot i wasn't eating i probably got one hour (laughs) of sleep like it was just like you know a ton of emotion but as soon as that game started i was you know i was i was thrilled
0: I don't think people realize how special and unique it is to simply play in one major league game, let alone, you know, a slew of them and have a major league career. I mean, there are less than 20,000 big leaguers in the history of the game. 20,000. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't fill a, a major league ballpark with that many people, um, and and mm-hmm. now and now you're one of them, and that's and that's a really cool thing. And you're also among the group that's hit a major league home run. About a week later after your debut, you go yard at yeah. Camden Yards, so kind of like an East Coast ballpark that maybe you were familiar with when you were growing up. Yeah, what was it like mm-hmm. to to hit one out in Baltimore?
1: I mean, that was awesome. But, you know, we were playing the Orioles, obviously, at Camden Yards, and there was about. 5,000 fans in the stands and I think 300 of them had to be from Monroe or the surrounding area of New Jersey so I had a, a couple people come up to me and said they thought I was gonna hit up my first homer that day and I thought to myself like you know that would be pretty damn cool if <laughs> I had all these people here to see me like that was probably that was like a, really at that time that was our only east coast trip we weren't really anywhere near you know we had, they had played you know boston already they had played the yankees already um the mets came to us you know so that was the close i was going to get to home so having you know my whole family whole family my best friends every everybody saw my first big league homer and it was um it was special to hit the homer we got the win and being interviewed on the field and like the whole first section above the f- above the uh, third base dugout was just filled with family and friends just cheering me on and it was just something i'll always remember who has the ball i do I have the ball. That's good. Special that's, place? That's, yeah. 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 The, the Royals do a good thing. They they make you a whole plaque. So, I mean, I got the lineup card from that day. I got uh, the baseball. I got my jersey hanging up. You know, the, for my first hit, I had the base. I had my bat. I mean, they did a whole, like, awesome plaque where they put everything into one, and it's, uh, it's hanging at my house.
0: That's really cool. You've got, like, your own Nick Dini Hall of Fame
1: block. Yeah, almost. exactly. Exactly. Yep. Well,
2: i don't think there was anyone surprised that that came within the first week and you know anyone that saw your first base hit wasn't surprised that it was a rope that was what i was telling jake here before we got ready to record the podcast today that i don't remember you ever getting a bleeder anytime like every single ball you make contact with you seem to hit hard and it, it was ridiculous going back and looking what you've done at this level and, and even with the royals like 45 percent or even higher than that of your hits have been for extra base hits what what would you say has been the key to not only consistently you know making contact with the ball because you're clearly very good at that but also you know making sure you square it up almost every time
1: yeah I I think a lot of that comes down to you know your swing decisions what you're swinging at so I've I've put a lot of time into trying to you know kind of shrink the strike zone and at times when I can looking for certain pitches and not just going up there and you know, hitting blind, just trying to, you know, see the ball and hit everything, you know what I mean? Kind of just a lot of it is game planning. And I mean, a lot of it is just, I, I try to keep it very simple as far as the swing, you know, I'll get technical with it when I'm in the cage or when I'm doing early work. But when that game starts, it's, I, I look at it as it's me versus the pitcher. You know, I, all I want to do is beat the guy that's, you know, 60 feet away from me and it's just take that barrel and, and find the ball. And, and as simple as that sounds, that's really all I think about is just trying to find a pitch that I could do something with and not miss it. And, um, you know, I have, I have a pretty good track record of hitting the ball hard. So, you know, I just try to improve on that and try to improve on, um, swinging at pitches that I know I can hit hard and, and trying to take pitches that I can't, you know what I mean? Being comfortable hitting with two strikes. I think that's a big thing because a lot of times you know pitches make good pitches oh 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 one that we'll just swing at you know not all strikes are created equal you know what i mean sometimes they you know you, you tip your cap good pitch and you know live for the next pitch and just trying to pick out pitches that i could do damage on that's um that's been a big focus of mine
2: well i know you know this because you, you mentioned it to me before but that's clearly one of the things that playing your position that will get you noticed um You know, your position is unlike any other in baseball. Most other positions you have to be able to hit if you're going to play or even, you know, be the second player at any position. As a catcher, Mm -hmm. like, defense is almost considered to be the priority in most cases Mm -hmm. where the offensive part of the game is kind of an addition. You've proven throughout this that, hey, I'm going to add something to the lineup every day if I'm behind the plate while you're there. I guess how do you feel about that going forward and, and what that means for your chances you know, to get back to Kansas city. Yeah. I
1: think, you know, for me really, like I'm still learning the catching position. I feel like I haven't fully tapped into my ability as a defensive catcher. You know, in college I was bouncing around. I was a utility guy. I played in, I came into college as a middle infielder. I played second base, you know, my whole freshman year, my, my, my sophomore year I'm playing third base. And then my junior year, we had a catcher go down and, I just put on some gear and started catching and I, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, I started catching at really 20 years old and, and understanding and seeing how the position has, you know, like has changed over the years to where now it's a lot of emphasis is on how you receive the baseball and, you know, keeping strike strikes and making ball strikes. And, you know, like that's, that's really what the emphasis is on. So I've spent a lot of time in my off seasons trying to, you know, get myself better defensively because like you said, I mean, I I feel pretty good where I'm at offensively and just maintaining that offensively. So a lot of my time really goes into, you know, how I'm presenting the ball and doing the things behind the plate, because I believe ultimately that that's, what's going to separate me and that's, what's going to give me more of an opportunity is if I can get better defensively, then I think my bat will, will show up and, you know, I think I'll get little uh, get some more opportunities, hopefully at the big league level to where I can show that, you know, I can I can hang around here for a little bit. I can hit hit up there and, you know, just be trusted to, you know, call a game behind the plate and trusted to help make pitches better, pitchers better. And, you know, so I, I understand the areas that need to be improved upon. And, I, I you know, I feel like the work that I've done this offseason is showing up in spring training um, I'm feeling good, you know, receiving the baseball. So uh, hopefully, just continue to develop behind the plate because ultimately, I just think that that's going to increase my value.
2: Has it helped you over the last couple of years, considering the relationship that you mentioned that the two of you have to, to have a guy like Polberg, who you were with last summer, obviously, in your time in Omaha, who grew up yeah. as a catcher? Has there anything mm-hmm. that you guys have been able to share with that part of the game? Uh, you know, Pol- I mean, Polly, just the work me and Polly do,
1: just whatever it may be him just giving me his little tidbits on what he thinks like hey that looks good i think you should do this you know what i mean so it's nothing major but i mean it's it's always little things with me and polly because that's ultimately you get to a point where you know you could do the things but it's in the little details of of everything you're doing so like polly's been great and you know the early work that we do just finding like the little details and you know being another set of eyes for me like I like to put things on video, but having somebody watching and saying, hey, this is what I see, you know what I mean? Because sometimes you have to look at it, most of the time you have to look at it through different perspectives, through different lens. So just having him there to kind of, you know, tell me his thoughts and what he sees has helped me to be like, realize, okay, yeah, I thought it looked good, but this could be better. You know what I mean? So whether that is, you know, my footwork or, you know, how I'm receiving certain pitches, you know, just his little, his input on, you know, the small details of things has, has helped a lot for sure.
0: Well, Nick, uh, please uh, say hello to Poli for us while you're down in Arizona. We're excited to well see you back at Warner park uh, in a couple months now. And, uh, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're so excited to see you back on the field in Arizona and, and all the other guys, um, back playing baseball together. And, uh, we look forward to seeing the 2021 season as it unfolds. Thanks so much for giving us, you know, some time during a busy spring training morning and, uh, we'll catch up again soon.
1: Absolutely. I'll see you guys soon. Huh?
0: Many thanks to Nick Deeney for joining us from spring training, where as you can imagine, catchers are among the busiest people catching bullpens for pitchers, playing in games, doing everything in between. Um, But Tony, that was some awesome stuff we got from Nick. I especially loved the way that he looks at the places he's been in minor league baseball and how much he appreciates where baseball has taken him. That's one of my favorite things about minor league baseball, the places that I've had a chance to see that I probably wouldn't have otherwise. Well,
2: I I think you're right. I think not everybody takes that perspective on it and Maybe it's not surprising in this case because Nick is a a guy who – Comes from a neighborhood that you're familiar with, played at a smaller college, and probably didn't have the opportunity to go everywhere and do everything that maybe someone who, say, went to a bigger college and expected all that travel to get. And I, I like the fact that he's a really down to earth guy when it comes to his career. He hasn't taken anything for granted. He, um, as we mentioned during the podcast, he knows that he's a guy that has to keep proving himself every time he takes a step up a level. Um, he wasn't a high draft pick. He wasn't a bonus baby. Um, he was going to have to earn his keep uh everywhere along the way and i think that having that kind of approach has allowed him to really appreciate all the opportunities and all the places that he's been um kind of as his career's moved along um it's, it's great to hear that from a guy like nick who now has made it to the highest level by getting to the major leagues that he's still able to go back and you know really look at things and keep them all into perspective
0: yeah and very much factors into the royals plans Potentially for this season and beyond, it potentially could be somebody who plays a little bit in, in Omaha in, in 2021 as well. But one of the interesting things about potentially playing in Omaha and also experiencing a bunch of new places is that's something that we're going to do this year with a brand new league and now a brand new updated schedule uh, with the, the AAA season being delayed uh, about a month. New opening day is May 4th at home Against St. Paul, so that's, that's a bit of a change. Instead of opening the season on the road to Toledo, now opening the season at home against the St. Saint Paul Saints, and as we sit here and record this, it is 57 days away, and that's uh, it feels further away, but closer at the same time well definitely closer than what it seemed
2: like it ever was in 2020 i can tell you that <laughs> right um but I, it is unfortunate just because of the way the schedule is going to lay out this year the guys um, like nick or the other guys that may be down here um and i'm not saying nick will necessarily be here but if he is they are going to get a chance to experience the league experience as a whole because you know everyone's going to be kind of con- constricted as far as th- where their schedule is going to take place Omaha's only going to play the teams within its division uh during this season that all being said it is going to be a bunch of new faces bunch of new teams um, there's going to be uh, some new prospects here at warner park that we haven't been able to see before just because those affiliates weren't teams that, that came here before um, but yeah the six game schedule the mondays off um, that's going to be all new to everyone uh, us included here at the ballpark and it's going to be really interesting to see how that all plays out and what you know players seem to think about it once we do get into the middle of it but yeah we're delayed an extra month now but i think you and i are both happy that we're going to eventually have baseball here
0: and that's and that's the bottom line there will be baseball at Werner park in 2021 the first game is may 4th st paul saints are in town and we're just very excited for that day if if you haven't seen the updated schedule yet or you're looking at an old one basically just chop off the month of april start Looking at the schedule on May 4th, everything is as is after May 4th. There are two additional road games against Indianapolis on July 13th and July 14th. That'll make that initial four-game road series a six-game road series. Uh, All told now, 60 home games. 60 away games, 120 total games. Season still finishes on September 19th against Iowa, but now it starts on May 4th against the St. Paul Saints. So we've got a lot to look forward to. St. Paul Saints coming to town, a brand new team in this brand new league. And, And like you said, the other newer faces like Indianapolis, Columbus, Toledo, Louisville, and then a very familiar face in Iowa that the Storm Chasers will see, you know, maybe not 42 times anymore, now closer to 34, 35. I actually don't know the exact number, but it's a lot. That's the bottom line. It's a lot. Still a lot more than you've seen them in the past. Right.
2: um, It is going to be nice to see some new faces in here um, with regards to some ball clubs. And as we mentioned on previous podcasts, some of these teams – Older fans who have come to Warner Park and Rosenblatt before who have been following this franchise for a long, long time are going to be familiar with some of these teams because they did used to play with Omaha back in the American Association, which disbanded in the late 1990s. This was pre Pacific Coast League, Omaha Royals baseball. So some of the team names may be familiar. Obviously, the players themselves won't be, but um, the affiliations, I think, are going to be the things that are going to be new for the fans. Instead of seeing, you know, the Astros and Dodgers and uh, affiliates or prospects uh, with those teams. You're now going to see, you know, the Tigers and the Twins and, and some of Kansas City's American League Central rivals. And I think that's going to be a fun thing for everybody at the ballpark as the season goes along.
0: Well, I think that's a perfect segue into our trivia segment, especially considering the topic of last episode's trivia question. Yeah, we were talking
2: a lot about the new league last time, uh, the new Triple A East, as they're calling it. It's 20 teams. Omaha's now a part of it, and most those teams of course are from what used to be the international league and so we asked the question what was the last team from the international league that omaha would have played against and this wasn't really necessarily a trick question but it doesn't go back to any time when omaha played any crossovers it was of course for the 2014 national championship game in durham where the omaha storm chasers beat Pawtucket 4-2 to and we had a few uh, people get that uh, answer right um because it wasn't that long ago
0: Exactly. I do want to give one person uh, a, a shout out for going all the way back to 1997 and guessing Buffalo in 97, uh, AJ Lewis on Instagram. You know, that's the wrong answer to this question, but but a good thought to go back to that era of, of Omaha baseball. But no, the right answer, the Pawtucket Red Sox in Charlotte for the AAA National Championship in 2014. And uh, there were some people who hit the nail on the head on Instagram. Dan Nielsen got the, exa- the exact answer, not only gave us the team, but gave us the location and the event. So So bonus points for Dan. And then a few on Facebook, too. Danny Carlin, Andrew Thompson, Jake Shulo, and Don Mavis. So shout out to all of you guys. And a special recognition. I thought this was funny from from Don, uh, who said 2014, when they won the championship, that would be the last time they faced a team from the International League. But he also said, not sure where or who, no one remembers second place. (laughs) (laughs) That's a very good point. And and honestly, the 1997 guess wasn't bad. And
2: the question could be kind of misleading in that sense, because it would automatically you know push you to think back to that era Um, not thinking of this but there would have only been those three national championship games that would have been against the international league since and you know Omaha won two of the three and the last one of course came in uh, 2014 we didn't stretch that far away from that as we go into this week's uh, trivia question it's kind of about the schedule as well Um, it's also going to try to take you back to a a certain time but uh, we won't give that away because that would give away the answer to the question obviously as we mentioned due to the pandemic the teams are going to play six game series this year um, each week with the triple a east teams uh, playing a more regionalized uh, schedule now at the delayed start omaha will open its 2021 season with a six game homestand against st paul now playing six straight games against the same team in the same location um, will take some getting used to for all of us but it has happened here before so our trivia question this week was when was the last time omaha played six consecutive games games against the same
0: team at werner park i think this is an awesome question and i'm as i tend to do i'm going to give i'm going to give two hints this time tony if that's okay with you go for it so my first hint is that it's more recently than you may think my second hint is to really pay attention to the language of the question When was the last time Omaha played six consecutive games against the same team at Warner Park? Those are my two
2: hints. Those are good hints. And honestly, this is one of the few times where I have thought of the trivia question without having any idea of what the answer is. Normally, I have a pretty good idea, and I go to verify it um, before we ask it on the podcast. In this case, I'm like, this is going to be my question. Now let me go find the answer. And I thought it was going to take me forever and it really didn't
0: well that will uh that will certainly help again you know it's not as far back as you think it is so tony didn't have to go all the way back to you know a 1980s schedule and and dig something up but he did have to do a little bit of digging so so give us your answers on social media for a shout out on our next episode if you get it right when was the last time omaha played six consecutive games against the same team at Werner park So this is Storm Chasers' era. Yes, Uh, six consecutive games against the same team at Werner Park. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Stormcast. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, Be sure to subscribe, rate, review the Stormcast. Also check out our earlier episodes. A reminder: you can go back and listen to our previous episodes. We talked to Marty Cordero last time about the affiliation, the coaching staff, the new schedule. That one was a jam-packed episode. We've also got previous episodes with Jake Kalish and Brian Polberg, who had some interesting things to share about their off seasons and 2020 experiences. That that are good re-listens heading into the 2021 season. Uh, we're now less than a couple months away from opening day at Warner Park, May 4th against the St. Paul Saints. Hope to see all of you here. Um, that'll be a great thing to share with everybody. Um, also, be sure to keep up with the Omaha Storm Chasers on social media on Twitter. At OMA Storm Chasers, and on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Omaha Storm Chasers. One more thank you to Nick Deeney for joining us from spring training in Arizona, and many thanks as well to my co host Tony Boone. So for Tony and the rest of the Storm Chasers, I'm Jake Eisenberg saying so long. You've been listening to the Stormcast.
1: Everyone get on your feet, stir up the storm. We're fa-